Hello, and welcome to the Southeast Students Podcast. Here you can find all of the teachings from our special series in middle school group and high school group. Our goal as a ministry is to guide young people into a personal relationship with Jesus and train them to become like Him. We pray that these teachings help you to do just that. You're listening to our study through the book of Acts. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. If you guys have your Bibles, turn in them to Acts chapter 12. So before we begin, though, who can tell me what we went over last time? So Peter, he goes back to Jerusalem, and they are like, what the heck, bro? You hung out with the Gentiles, and you let them accept Jesus. What's going on there? And then Peter explains himself and basically says, this wasn't a work that I did. This is a work of the Lord. And so, and then after he explains it, they all realize, like, you know what? Salvation, the gift that... Jesus has come and given to us all of salvation is not just for us, it's for everybody. And so they glorify God. And then we saw the church continues to spread as a result of Stephen's death. I realized I wrote that down and I was going to look at Stephen and Stephen's not actually here. And so it's not because he died. Stephen's still very much alive. But so Stephen dies and the church grew during that period. So a lot of people got saved and Saul and Barnabas, they start partnering together for the first time to do ministry. And so last we see of them is they're taking a gift to the Jews who are about to undergo a famine that was predicted by a guy named Agabus. But here in chapter 12, we're going to get into a really cool story about Peter that I'm excited to jump in with you guys. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to get together and to study your word. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and that the words that I speak are not of myself. And they're not just things I've written down on my computer a little bit ago, but they are things that are of your spirit. So, Lord, anything that's of me, I pray that these guys would just forget, that they wouldn't even remember it. I pray that the only name that's glorified today is the name of Jesus. So, God, help us to hone in on you today. Soften all of our hearts for the message you would speak to us, God. Thank you for the way that you move in our hearts and our minds. So, Lord, we accept you and we invite you into this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, picking up in verse 1 of chapter 12 of Acts. All right, verse 1. About that time... Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made for him, was made to God by the church. So... Here in this chapter, we're introduced to a guy named King Herod. How many of you guys have heard of King Herod before? So clearly not Reuben. That's exactly the question is which one, because there's not just one. There's actually a couple. So you probably heard this name before. There are several, yeah. So this one, so this one is a relative of the Herods you've probably met before. So the Herods are a really messed up family. They are, a, they're, basically Herods were the king of Israel at the time, the several that we meet throughout the Bible. And they're not great people. So this Herod's grandpa, Herod the Great, uh, he was the one who attempted to kill baby Jesus. And to do so, he slaughtered all the children under two years old in Bethlehem. It's like a terrible event at the beginning of the Gospels. And then this guy's uncle, Herod Antipas, is directly involved in Jesus' trial. So not a great reputation. And this guy kind of continues in that line. And so it doesn't say exactly why Herod first started persecuting the Christians, but likely it's like a political move. So the Jews were very much anti the Christians at the time. And so Herod wants to flex his power and really wants to get the approval of the Jews. And so, yeah, he's flexing for sure. And so as we've seen, 
the Jews, they hate the Christians. So this is a way for him to earn some higher ratings. And so he starts to persecute people. And amidst this persecution, he kills a guy named James. Who can tell me who James is? Yeah, this is James the Apostle, exactly. James is one of the 12 disciples. Not only that, but he's not just one of the 12. He's actually one of Jesus' closest three disciples. So he spent like the most time with Jesus outside of Peter and John. And so he's the first of the 12, actually, though. This is really key. He's the first of the 12 to actually die as a martyr for his faith. And so this is really important because this wasn't just like anybody following the Lord. Like this isn't just some guy or like one of the deacons. Like this is one of the core people. This is one of Jesus' chosen 12. And I think this is really important to note because I think it would be really easy, especially for the church, to think that, oh, well, since like Jesus picked them, like there's this special bubble of protection over them, right? Like since Jesus is the one who chose them, well, they, like surely nothing will ever happen to them and they won't die or anything. But here we are. And James does die for his faith. And this is important, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, so I won't hone in on this point for too long, but like, it's really important that you guys know that Jesus, he doesn't promise us safety in this life. I hope you guys know that. It's like, as you go in your life, like, yes, the Lord promises to protect your soul, and that is safe from the devil, but in terms of your physical body, like, that's not a guarantee in this life. In the Christian life, it's not always a safe one. And so that applies to everybody, not just the normal believers like us, or, but also the apostles, like James. I have a question. Yeah. So you said, like, specifically for Christians, it's harder. Is it harder for, like, atheists or, like, non-Christians? Oh, like, what, is, what life is harder? That's a great question. So, like, is life harder as a believer or as a... I think in some senses you're, you're definitely more likely to be persecuted as a believer. And so Paul actually promises in 2 Timothy 3, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so that's a guarantee in the Bible is that when you're following Jesus, you will be persecuted. That's not if, it's when. I think it looks different for us today because, praise God, we live in a country that we're able to freely worship the Lord. And so there's persecution here a little bit, but all over the world, people are dying for their faith. And so it's important that I think we understand that. And specifically, James and John, Jesus told them that they would drink his cup of suffering in the Gospels. You would read that in Matthew 20. And so that's being fulfilled here in James's life. And so... Although everything that God does is good, like it's important that we know that, it doesn't mean that we'll always be kept safe from persecution or from hard circumstances. If anything, sometimes the Lord leads us into seasons of hardship for his glory and to test our faith and to purify us. There's this really great quote in Narnia in The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, which I think Pastor Doug has quoted several times before. So basically, how many of you guys have read Narnia before? Okay, a good chunk of you. You've seen the movie? Okay, well, that works too. So in the book, this wasn't in the movie, but in the book, the kids, they're in Narnia for the first time and they meet Beaver. And when they're meeting Beaver, um, Beaver is talking about Aslan, who's like, he's the lion, but he's the king of, the, of Narnia. Is that movie an allegory? It is an allegory, yeah. And so Aslan represents Jesus in this allegory that C.S. Lewis wrote. And so Beaver, he's talking about Aslan the lion, so in reference to Jesus, and he says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. And then Susan says, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And then Beaver responds and he says, safe? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And so this is the Lord we serve. And it's important that you guys know that. It's like, yes, God is good to us, but it doesn't, he doesn't promise us safety in this life. And he might bring us into hard circumstances. But despite that fact, the Lord is always good in our intention, in his intentions towards us and our souls are secure in him, and that we can rest in. But we see here that James was led to his death, and he was able to glorify Jesus through his death. But back to the story. So the Jews, 
They're really pleased about the death of James. So in order to keep the good ratings up, Herod now arrests Peter and he's like, well, I'm going to just do it again to the head of the church right now, who is Peter. And so he plans to have him executed publicly after the Feast of Unleavened Bread is over. And then just to be safe, I think this is really funny, just to be safe, he puts him under the guard of like four soldiers at a time, which is way overkill for one prisoner. And then not only that, it says there's four squadron of them. So there's 16 guys in total just over this one dude. Uh, I think it's funny because Peter has already been released by an angel before with the other apostles. And so Herod's like, I'm not taking any chances this time. And he puts 16 soldiers on him. Um, this is a pretty low moment for the church right now because Peter's arrested. And like, logistically speaking, there's no way Peter's getting out of this. Like, it is very clear that Herod wants to kill him. He has like a million guards on him. There's no way to get to him. He's stuck there. But despite that, there seems to be like little that the church can do, but they begin to pray for him. That's what it says here. It says they earnestly are praying for him. And it's not just that they're praying for him, but they're earnestly praying for him. And that word earnest in Greek, it carries this like connotation of stretching out as far as you can go. It's like as hard as you possibly can, we're gonna pray for this to happen. And so they're praying for Peter to be saved somehow. They don't know how it's possible, but they're gonna do it anyway. It's actually the same word that was used to describe Jesus's prayer when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying so hard for the cup of suffering to be removed from him that he begins to sweat drops of blood in the garden. It's like really intense. And so this is the imagery we're getting here. These people are so like dedicated to like, man, we wanna see Peter freed. I don't know about you guys, but at least for me, when something in my life seems like it's set in stone and it's like that situation's never gonna change or like logically that doesn't make sense, I often just lack the will to pray. And I'm like, ah, forget it. Like, ah. I don't know if it's worth it. Like, that's not gonna change anyway. Or if I pray, it's like a half-hearted attempt. Like, I don't actually believe it. Do you guys pray like that ever? Like, eh, I don't think something's actually gonna change. Like, I think it's just gonna be the way it is. I find myself doing that. But like, man, that's so the wrong attitude to have because God is able to do anything he wants to do. And so more importantly that though, he knows what's best. And so as I pray and I seek him, I actually gain his heart for people and for the situations and what the Lord would want. And so what follows after this is this really miraculous story. And I want you guys to keep this verse in mind as we go through because I think it kind of ties the whole thing together. This is Paul. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible to answer Reuben's question. Um, it's Ephesians 3. Paul writes this in the middle of Ephesians 3. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But the point that Paul's getting at is that what we think the Lord, we want the Lord to do, like the Lord actually wants to do more than that. Like what we think he's capable of, he's actually capable of doing more than that. And so that's what we're going to see here. And also just as a little plug, I didn't have this in my notes. Really crazy. Last night we were at church and I didn't know what Keith Carey was going to teach on, but he taught last night for Wednesday night service. And he totally taught on this passage. And so if you guys want to hear another teaching on this, it was really good. It was about praying on behalf of others. So I would recommend you guys go listen to that on the website. But so verse six, continuing the story. It says, now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was happening was being, what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. 
When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came into the iron gate leading into the city, and it opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. So this whole story like really cracks me up. It actually like genuinely makes me laugh when I read it. So Peter, he's sitting between two guards and he's chained to both of them. And he's sitting there and he's actually sleeping, which is really awesome because Peter's literally about to die. And not only is he about to die, but his close friend and brother in Christ, James, just died a couple days ago. But still, he's able to have like total peace as he's sitting there, which is really awesome. That's totally of the Lord. But he's sitting there and suddenly while he's sleeping there, an angel shows up in his cell and there's this bright light, and then after the bright light, Peter is still sleeping, and he's still sawing logs. And so the angel like has to like kick him and like shove him, he's like, hey, wake up. And so he's like wakes him up, and he's like, put on your clothes, like we're going, we're getting out of here. And so Peter, probably still half asleep, rubs his eyes, and he puts on his sandals, and he kind of walks out, and he walks past the guards, and they don't seem to notice, which is kind of weird. And then he keeps going, and he walks past more guards, and they don't notice, and that's really weird. And then he walks past this gate, and it just opens on its own. That's pretty bizarre. Peter, in the back of his mind this whole time, is thinking that this isn't even really happening, probably thinking it's a dream or a vision or whatever. And then he turns the street corner, and the angel's gone, and he realizes that he's actually for real outside. And he's like, oh my gosh, that really happened. That was crazy. And so even though it seemed like way too good to be true, like the Lord actually did that. Like that was for real. I think what's really cool is that this didn't happen just once to Peter. This is the second time. Like talk about the faithfulness of the Lord. Like that's just so cool. It's like, man... An angel saves you not just once, but twice. That's super cool. So, verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door at the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. So Peter, he's in the middle of the street. He's like, well, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I guess I have to figure out where I'm going to go. I guess I'll go to the people who are praying for me and tell them that their prayers were answered. And so he goes there. And what's really cool, guys, is that the whole time that Peter was in jail, like, these people have been praying for him. I was reading commentaries because I was curious. I'm like, how long were they here? It could have been as long as a week because that's how long the unleavened bread feast was. Like, these people are day and night praying for him. I usually give up my prayer sessions in, like, 15, 20 minutes, <laughs> like, let alone multiple days. Like, that's earnest prayer, you know? Like, even though it seems impossible, even though it might seem foolish, I'm not going to pray about it just a little bit. I'm going to pray about it until I get an answer from the Lord one way or another. And so whether he dies or he's saved, at least we know we've done all we could. Peter, he goes to the house and then he finally is like, okay, well, I'm going to at least let these people know that their prayers are answered. And so he knocks on the door and he's waiting there. And then the servant girl of the house, her name's Rhoda, she comes to the door. And when she gets close, she hears Peter's voice on the other side. And then she's so excited about it and so ecstatic that she leaves poor Peter at the door and is like, oh my gosh, Peter's here, and then runs away. And then poor Peter's just left there in the cold, middle of the night, like, still knocking. And then she's talking to the other people, and she goes and explains it to them, and they don't, you're okay, and they don't believe her. Why do you guys think they don't believe her? Yeah, I think the second part much more. Maybe 
partly because of the first one, but I'm not sure if that's really what it's getting at. I think more so it's the second thing. It's like, although they believed because they were praying, right? So we saw that they were earnestly praying, but they, their faith was actually pretty small. Like they almost didn't actually believe that it was going to happen, which is pretty crazy. Shane. They felt like it was like impossible. They felt like it was impossible. Yeah. Because I mean, it seems impossible, right? Yeah, Cody. They didn't believe God would come back in three days. They weren't thinking he would get out. That's true. I mean, they didn't believe Jesus's words. It's true. Yeah. So they don't have a great track record. But what's crazy, guys, so they're sitting here praying for multiple days. But still, when it actually happens, they're like shock and awe that the Lord actually answered their prayer. They're like, wait, what? We didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> like, what is he doing here? And so even though they're praying with all their might and dedication for Peter's rescue, they're shocked that God actually answers their prayers. In fact, they're more likely to believe that it's an angel out there as opposed to actually Peter. Like, no, no, it's just a supernatural being over there. Like, it's not Peter. Like, what? But anyway, so eventually they go to the door and they open it and it really is Peter, sure enough. And they're all amazed. And then Peter's like, hold on, hold on, shut up, shut up. I need to explain this to you. And he explains that the Lord released him from prison in this angelic way. And then he tells him to let James and Jesus, the half-brother of, uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus know. And then the rest of the Jerusalem church to know about it. And then this is actually the last time we see Peter for pretty much the rest of the book. But I love this story, guys. And I think one of the reasons I really love it, one, it makes me laugh every time I read it. So that's a big win. So it makes me chuckle. But two, it's like, this is how we are as people. And at least this is how I am. It's like when I pray and I seek God and so often I'm like surprised that the Lord actually shows up. I'm like, wait, I prayed for something and the Lord actually answered my prayer. What's up with that? It's like whenever he gives me strength that I need or like delivers me through trials um, or whatever it may be, whatever I'm praying for at that moment, I'm shocked. <laughs> like I suddenly forgot that this is the God that I serve. Because like here's the beautiful thing about following Jesus, guys, is that we don't have to be surprised when God's there for us. Like you can actually rely on that as a fact. Because in fact, it's a guarantee that God's going to carry us through the trials of this life. That doesn't mean that things are always going to turn out the way you want them. Or that you won't go through hardships but like the lord will always be there for you that's a guarantee i think of the verse in one of my favorite verses in the bible psalm 37 25 david writes this he says i have been young and now i am old yet i have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread it's like david lived a very long and hard life he saw a lot of things and so despite all those things and all the things he saw it's like the lord still took care of everybody he saw it's like everyone who fears the lord like he took care of him. And so all that to say, guys, there have been times in my life where, even recently, where I'm like at the edge of my strength and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I'm like, Lord, I don't think you're going to come through. But somehow he always does. And it's like, I think I'm starting to realize that the lesson the Lord's teaching me, at least personally, is like, maybe I should start acting as if that's going to happen. Because that's really what faith is. Like what faith is, it's like, man, the Lord's character is reliable. And so even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't feel like he's close, I can rely on him to be true. And so faith isn't so much like I just believe that God is who he says he is. It's like I actually believe what he says to me. It's like his promises are true. When Jesus says that he will protect me and that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of every single one, I can take that to the bank as true. It's like, yes, Lord, I'm seeking you and I can trust that you will carry me out of every situation that comes my way. So if you guys have been struggling in life or like you're praying for someone else in, in your life that's in need, like cry out to the Lord. Like the Lord loves to listen to your prayers. Like he always is listening to you. And so even if the situation has been going on for a really, really long time, like these guys prayed for a week 
for Peter to be delivered from prison. And so if something's been going on for a long time, like know that God hears you for one, because he hears the prayers of the righteous. Um, and then he's going to show up. It might not look the way you think it will. So it might not be like exactly what you wanted, but it will be good because that's what the Lord does. And so he moves in ways that are like way beyond all that we can ask for, I think. And so that's my encouragement to you guys is, man, we have a God that we can actually trust. And so as we go forward in our lives, like, man, I pray that we as a group and we as individuals, we'd learn to act as if those things were true because they are. And so that's my encouragement to you. It's like, man, we serve a faithful God, so trust him. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southeast Students Podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find out more online by visiting our website at ccscportland.com. Hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you later. Peace.